TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Good to have Zev. It's great to be back. It has been too long. It has it's been, been too long. long. I have you more often because you do wonderful work in New Jersey and you're tackling you. lots of issues, including anti-Semitism, which we'll get to. But what's disturbing to me, and I've heard from a lot of listeners in the last couple of days, is the New York Times. And the New York Times, for some reason, is on a kick where they're going after Haredi, the Haredi community. And we did reach out to the New York Times to the reporter, Brian Rosenthal, who wrote the latest article, which is Hasidic School Sees on Special Ed Windfall. We did reach out to him. Uh, we haven't heard back from him. But I was looking online, and it seems like almost every other week, with the exception of November, uh, this year, December 29th, his Hasidic schools reaped the windfall. December 12th, why some Hasidic children can't leave failing schools. October 24th, Hasidic schools to pay $8 million after admitting to widespread fraud. October 12th, Hasidic schools is breaking state education law. September 13th, new state rules offer roadmap for regulating private Hasidic schools. September 12th, New York lawmakers call for more oversight of Hasidic schools. September 11th, New York state vote could raise pressure on officials of Hasidic schools. And then September 11th, again, Hasidic enclaves, failing private schools, flush with public money. They actually put that into Yiddish as well. So I know it's upsetting to you and others. So what's going on from your perspective? So, Zeb, I'll tell you, you know, you mentioned the word before that the New York Times has a kick. I think it's much more than just a kick. I think there's a, a very scary obsession with the New York Times, whoever it may be from the New York Times, with the Orthodox community. You know, I, I, over, over Shabbos, many people, as you can imagine, were approaching me about these billboards, which I'm assuming that we, we're going to talk today a little bit about the billboards, but it's, it's much more than just the billboards. Like, what's, what's the deal? When I told someone, I said, if I were to take all of the articles that were published by the New York Times and put them into a little book and say, this was written in just the last three months alone, you wouldn't believe me. No one would believe that a, a paper, a medium, would dedicate such an amount of time, resource, at, at, at such an extent on just one particular community, again, another hit piece, another hit piece, another hit piece, is something that, that I don't think anyone has ever seen to such an extent, an attack on one particular community. It's, 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 it's incredible. It's frightening. And then, you, you know, you always mention, we always talk about anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism. It seems like that's like the hot topic. And it's a really, it's, it's, it's a reality. Anti-Semitism is on the rise in a very scary way. And the amount of violent anti-Semitic attacks that have taken place in New York have risen to very scary numbers. And particularly, I believe it's 94, 95% of those attacks have been on specifically Orthodox Jews, and identifiable Jews, identifiably Orthodox Jews. 
And you wonder, where does this all come from? Where's the rise coming from? Where are the, these attacks coming from? So anti-Semitism is the oldest hatred on the planet. It's always been around. It, it's been around for the millenniums. However, if someone's living in New York or anywhere and they see what's taking place at the New York Times and you see the relentless attacks that are going on, and then you see this clear correlation to the rise of anti-Semitism, you wonder how far-reaching and how big is the impact that the New York Times is having directly on this rise of anti-Semitism. And even if you can't prove the direct correlation or the direct result because of that, it definitely is part of it. It definitely is part of the recipe that's causing this rise in anti-Semitism. And it makes you wonder, like, where's the responsibility on the behalf of the New York Times? Do they not realize what they're contributing to society by having this obsession and this relentless nonstop attack on one particular community and then seeing and noticing how there's a rise in violent physical attacks of members of that community? It's it's very upsetting because I pinpoint almost every other week, with the exception of November, they've had articles. And this is just, you know, one aspect. Forget the anti-Israel bias that we see on a constant basis. And you're right. When we see a tick in anti-Semitism, you have to say that to a certain degree, when you have articles such as the New York Times, it contributes to that. Uh, Jake Turks was on this program just the other week, mentioned that he himself, and he's a correspondent for Army Magazine, the political, he's in charge of political desk of, uh, at the White House, and he's encountered tremendous amount of anti-Semitism because he looks and he dresses in the Hasidic lifestyle, so he's encountered more so out of New York than in New York. But it's just a troubling trend uh, that we're seeing. And by the way, what bothers me most about the article is they have a picture, a gathering for a group photo outside a synagogue in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. They have about 50 rabbis with beards. And I said to myself, what does it have to do with the story? They, they, these are not educators in the Hasidic schools. These are not parents of children in the school. Just to pick up a, a picture of 50 rabbis or more gathering outside, why is that germane? Just because they're Hasidic. If they would have put the Hasidic, you know, special needs children or parents is one thing. Why put a picture of 50 rabbis on? I'll tell you, Zeb, there's another, you know, very disturbing part about this. I call it a series of the New York Times is that it's always one-sided. They've written many articles trashing our yeshiva system attacking our education, and it's always quoting those individuals that are angry at the system, that whatever their personal life has and why they're angry at the system, there are tens of thousands of happy, successful, productive graduates from the yeshiva system, and that's never included in the article. You talk about journalism, you talk about being fear, being balanced, this is the New York Times. Where's the balance? Where's the real je- journalism? Where is that? We're going to ignore tens of thousands of alumni and only focus on a very, very small minority of disgruntled graduates that are dealing with whatever they have to deal with. And that's going to be the focus of a 
time's centerpiece over and over and over again, ignoring the rest of the community, the major, the overwhelming majority of the community. And I always say this, school is a choice. Parents choose to send their kids to school. If there are tens of thousands of parents that are making that choice to send their kids to this school instead of that school, or to the other school instead of this school, it's because there's a choice, because they're happy with the product. How is it possible that a paper like the Times completely ignores that reality? A very, very good point. They ignore the reality because you know why? And when you're a journalist and, you know, it's not right, but when they look and they want to see a story, all they're looking for is the people who have their point of view. And I'll give you a case in point. A number of years ago during the FADA, I was contacted by Newsday magazine. They want to know if I'm losing any sleep because of Israeli aggression. I said, not losing any sleep because I don't think it's Israeli aggression. They didn't want to talk to me. But if I would have said that I'm opposed to what the Israeli government is doing, and all of a sudden I would in the paper. So they were calling and contacting people to have a certain agenda. And here it's the same thing in this story. They're looking to quote people that have this agenda, and they also have anonymous sources. Anybody could be an anonymous source. If you don't identify yourself, anonymous sources say they're doing this, they're ripping people off. But how credible is it if you don't say who they are? Anybody can say anything if it's anonymous. That's right. It's 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 an important issue. So, what has been the the reaction from the Good News of America? Because you know we mentioned the billboard. So, what's happening? So, the Good News of America has has launched a a campaign, a campaign to sort of be a rebuttal to the portrayal of the New York Times with a project called Project Noahs. And the idea is that right now it's a one sided view. It's a one sided. It's a one-way direction. These are the Orthodox Jews. This is what they're doing, and it's all bad. And we're trying to counteract that and say, no, no, there's a lot of good. There's a lot, a lot of good in our community. Get to know us. Learn about our yeshiva system. Learn about the kindness in our community. Learn about the volunteerism in our community. Learn about the productivity in our community. Learn about how we raise our children, how we, our family life. Learn about us. We're starting the campaign with obviously there's going to be a website and it's a multi-layered campaign, but we broke out the campaign, so to speak, with a, with a billboards, billboards throughout New York City, sort of calling out the New York Times and telling them to stop and making recognition to what the Times is doing and saying there's been 13 hit pieces in three months on one particular community that has been biased, that has been one-sided, and there's a rise in anti-Semitism, and this is contributing to it. And that must stop. Now, for those that want to know, so what are you really all about? Come check us out. Knowus.org. Figure out who we are. Not figure out who we are. Learn who we are. We're here. And that is the, the model. That is the idea. That is the purpose of it. To bring about positive education, real education. Getting to be able to tell our side of the story, the true side of the story, what Orthodox Jews are really all about, not just what an agenda-driven New York Times is trying to portray.
And I would assume, and I was talking to some people today that are non-Haredi, but that are from modern Orthodox that are also upset. So this is something, while they're focusing on the Haredi community, it's really attacking all of us. Um, and people have to realize that as well. You know, one of the, one of the, um, tricks that the Times try doing is painting this about Hasidic Jews. We're not anti-Semites. We love Jews. It's only that small minority of Hasidic Jews. That's not how the world works. We're all Jewish. We're all together. We're all brothers. And if you attack a Hasidic Jew, you're attacking a Haredi Jew. You're attacking a Litvish Jew. You're attacking myself. You're attacking a modern Orthodox Jew. You're portraying Jews. And you're giving credit to those stereotypes, to anti-Semitic tropes. You're promoting those anti-Semitic tropes. And, and there's, there's, a, there's a responsibility, an obligation that we would hope would come from a paper like the New York Times, which is, which is not there. Have you tried reaching out to the New York Times? There has been many conversations with members from the Agudath Israel staff, with individuals. I myself have been contacted by several people. You know, one of the articles that the Times did in their, uh, you know, attacking yeshiva education was, if you've been a product of yeshiva education, please reach out to us. We want to hear your story. And I have friends of mine that reached out and said, I'm a product of Lesson Yeshiva, and I loved it. And I sent my children there. And this is my story. I have this business. I have that business. There has never been a response, a call back, a follow-up email, a text message, nothing, zero. There's never been an article that included the other side of the story. So, yes, there's been conversations and there's been outreach. But then you wait a week later and another hit piece comes. Another week later and another hit piece comes. So it comes to a certain point where you realize maybe this is not working. Maybe we have to go to a different strategy because to just to sit back and take the hits on the chin, that we can't do anymore. We're too nice. And even canceling subscription doesn't do the job. That's be a way. Um, we'll speak to Hank Shankov later on, but I know many people feel that we have to take it to the advertisers and say, listen, as long as you're advertising in the paper and supporting this, we're going to call for our community not to support your establishment or your business. I don't like boycotts, but it may be the only way to get the attention of the New York Times. Well, I think this is definitely going to get their attention. That's for sure. <laughs> and um, how they respond is yet to be determined. And this is not a, it's not a one hit and out. This is part of a, a, a large campaign that the Agudas uh, Yisrael has undertaken. The start was the billboards. There are more billboards that are coming. There are different pieces and puzzles. There's obviously a, a very robust website that is still being worked on that's going to be filled with lots of information and lots of data to address those points that have been brought up and mentioned in the Times and discussing our education system and special ed and, 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 and all the other myths, so to speak, that have been made into a reality by the Times. And we're going to address a lot of those hard questions. Um, so this, 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 is a, this is a multi-layer project, and we just saw sort of the tip this Friday, and there's more to come, and we're hopeful that it will have some impact, at least on the New York Times, and even if not on the Times, at least on the society, that society should realize that this is not who we are. Don't trust and don't take for granted that the Times that is on this 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 agenda, this clear agenda, this war against our community, 
that is not who we are and check us out and get to know us. We're speaking with Rabbi Avi Schnall. He is the New Jersey Director of the Good Is of America, part of a team of the Good Is of America to combat and to challenge what the New York Times is writing about the Haredi community almost every other week is a negative article about our community. When we come back, we continue our conversation right after these messages. Talk line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. We're back. Rabbi Avi Schnall, director of New Jersey Director of Goodness of America, and we're tackling some important issues, which is how the New York Times seems to almost every other week be attacking the Haredi Jewish community. And he's also involved in lots of day-to-day operations in New Jersey. One of the things that I mentioned at the onset, and we, I didn't dwell on it because I was focusing on the New York Times, but aren't we seeing a lot of increased anti-Semitism around the Lakewood area in New Jersey? So I think that we are. We absolutely are. I think anti-Semitism is increasing everywhere. It's increasing everywhere, you know, in, in New York and New Jersey. Um, these are we, we live in scary times, and we have to be realistic with the times we, we are living in. And unfortunately, sometimes we always wake up the day after. The day after there was a shooting in, in, a, in a shul in California. The day after there was a shooting in a shul in Pittsburgh. And and we always are worried of when's that day, when's the day after in places like New York or Lakewood and Hashem should continue to protect us and watch us, but it's a miracle. Every day that goes by in these large communities that we have our children going and coming from yeshivas, it's a nace, it's a miracle. Hashem is clearly protecting and watching every single one of those buses dropping off those kids. No, very true, and it's affecting everybody, but particularly the more visible Orthodox community because it's easier to identify them and use exactly. and, and we're getting it from all over. You get it from the New York Times, you're getting it from the anti-Semites on the street, the Whoopi Goldbergs and the others at uh, Kanye West and others that are doing, which seems like it's like everybody's attacking us. But I know that the New York Times is read by a lot of influential people. And they, the truth is they've been doing some studies and we did a show about it about six months ago that in academia, the more educated you are, the more you hate Jews in Israel. It's just unfortunately a fact. And uh, and the New York Times appeals to the intelligentsia, so it just feeds into that. Um, Is the good Israel working with other groups as far as this campaign to try to bring attention to what the New York Times is doing? Definitely working with other groups, you know, to, to, you always have to work together other groups and coalitions. We definitely are working with other groups locally, nationally, to strategize the best, most effective way to have the best outcome and to get the best results. And, you know, it's always hard to measure what is the outcome, what is the result, which is another conversation in itself. Are we going to eradicate anti-Semitism? I don't think anyone believes that's the reality. Metzger Meshach will come tomorrow, and that'll be the end of that. But in case he doesn't, we're not going to get rid of anti-Semitism, with, with, no matter how big the campaign is. It's clear to understand what the goal is, what the objective of this campaign is. And we're working with, with partners and working with those that want to help out. And, and like you mentioned before, it's, it's true that times, the times has influence. And, and maybe if, if you allow me to take just, you know, 90 seconds, yeah. maybe I'll tell you an incredible story that happened to us here in New Jersey. I don't live in Brooklyn. I live in 
the amazing place called Lakewood, which is, well, I have the source of living there. I think it's one of and, the fastest growing Jewish communities in America is the Lakewood. I believe it is, yes. I think it's the number two. Number two. And, um, it is, you know, we, it's a, it's a big community. And there's a lot of Shivas that we get, there's a lot of children here, Baruch Hashem. There's a program that we have in the yeshiva system, in our community in Lakewood, without getting too much into the details, but it's a program that many, many parents benefit from it, many families benefit from it, and it's something that has been around for decades. It has gone through dozens of commissioners of education, dozens of state administrations and governors, and, and it's, it's a great program. Just a few weeks ago, we got a phone call from someone in Trenton I want to do a review on this program. I want to review it. I want to take a deeper dive. I want to review it. Okay, this is a person that, by the way, has been working with our community for many years, a friend, a friend of our communities. So I was a little bit surprised. Like, what initiated this idea? Of, and I obviously, the program is a great program. Go for it. <laughs> Go review it. But I, I, I was curious, what, what initiated this? And she told me, I read the article in the New York Times about the yeshivas in New York. And I know that the yeshivas in New Jersey are also orthodox religious yeshivas. And the Times is telling me that the yeshivas in New York are not using those funds appropriately. I want to make sure that the yeshivas in New Jersey are also not using it appropriately. And I thought to myself, what a horrible story this is. That it wasn't, the conversation wasn't, is it true what the New York Times said? And what's happening in New York? Should I be concerned about New Jersey? No. What the New York Times said about the issues in New York is true. Why? Because that's what the Times said. So now my question is, what's happening in New Jersey? Because people, the academia, the, the, the intellectuals, they do read the New York Times. And unfortunately, they're taking it as, as at face value and as fact. This is what's happening in the Orthodox community in New York. And now the question is, where else does it apply? To me, it was such a bothering, such a, a, a disturbing story. And, and I, I did push back. I said, by the way, the New York Times is not correct. And let's discuss that. We had a very long conversation about this. And that is what this, this project, this program is about, about countering the falsehoods, the, the untruths that the Times is peddling that the average person living in New York or anywhere in the country that reads the time, they do have a very far reach, reads that to understand this is not who our community is. This is not our yeshiva system. Our yeshiva system is amazing. Our yeshiva system is our proudest product. Our yeshiva system is beautiful. And we produce a generation and generations of incredibly productive people, members of society that are furthering what they've learned in yeshiva to their children. That is what our yeshiva about. Business, economics, volunteerism, civic leadership, political leadership, rabbinic leadership, educational leadership, 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 leadership from our yeshiva system, not what the Times is saying. And we must push back against that narrative we must set the record straight who we really are. And that's what this program is all about.
which is so important. Now, let me ask you this question. The New York Times article, the Hasidic schools seize on special ed windfall, and they make it sound that since the rules change and there was not as much oversight, so the amount of special education needs children that are using the system and getting financial aid has gone up tremendously. Now, they don't have any statistics. They can't tell you and say how many. Now, I've spoken to parents. It's a cumbersome process before this change was made for the parents to go through that paper. They had to hire lawyers, you know, and, and it cost a lot of money to do that. Not everybody can afford to do so. So, of course, when that was relaxed, where it made it easier for parents to apply, you're going to have more parents apply. So do we have any numbers as to how many special needs children exist in our communities? So as if I want to tell you like this, two things, two very important points. Number one is I thought that that article on the special education story was 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 disgusting. And I don't have a better way of saying it. It was a disgusting article. These are children that are vulnerable, that are that are that have special needs, that are that are the most needy in our community, and and parents are doing their diligence to ensure that their children get the best and the most opportunities. They can get, and the Times is now going to spin that as Orthodox Jews trying to pack it and make some more money. Horrible. But I'll tell you about special ed in our community. And this applies in New York. We have the same issue in New Jersey and in many states. Almost every child that's placed in a special ed school, that's placed in a special ed school, in order to be placed in a special ed school, needs to have what's called an IEP or an ISP. They go to the Board of Education. They get an evaluation. After they get an evaluation, many times, almost all times, they need to go before a judge, and they get what's called a settlement before they get placed into a school. So this is not happening internally by some board of school leaders that are looking to squeeze the system. A judge is giving a settlement. A New York City appointed judge that is not a member necessarily of the Hasidic community. There aren't that many Hasidic judges out there. Maybe there's, we can count in our hand how many there are. So these are non-Hasidic judges that are giving and giving a verdict, making a settlement and saying this child deserves and is entitled to be in a school that will provide him with the best education he can get because the public school system cannot meet this child's need. That's how it works. So now he's being placed in a school. That's how it is. So the, the, the entire background of that story is, is false. And they, they fail to make, to make mention of how the system actually works. Another important piece is to remember is that if a child that has a special need, obviously, now I'm not talking about an extreme special need. A child needs therapy, needs a shadow, needs speech therapy or other mental health counseling, a child that attends the public school, a lot of those needs are addressed and given as a public school student. There's no need to get extra funding for that because it's incorporated in what the public school provides. A child that attends a private school doesn't automatically get those services. They need to fight for those services and it comes from the either the state or New York City, but there's a, it's a line item. It stands out because it doesn't, there's no budget that the state or city is giving to private schools, not yet at least, unfortunately. Maybe they should have. That's a different conversation. But right now the state is not supporting private schools. 
But they do have an obligation, which is a federal law that dating back to the 70s, I believe, that children with special needs are entitled to an appropriate education. If the public school can't provide it, it needs to be provided in a private school. But the number sticks out because you don't see those numbers. You don't see a correlated number in the public schools because it's just swallowed up in the larger public school budget of that particular public school in that particular district. There's no set aside that the government is paying only for that child in that particular school. It's swallowed up. And therefore, parents have to fight for this because the children are not getting it automatically. So, of course, the numbers are going to be higher in a private education setting compared to a public school education setting because there aren't lawsuits with a child that goes to a, to a public education. He doesn't need to sue the state or sue the city because he gets it in the public school he's in. Once a child goes to a private school, which is our right to go to a private school, and the child is entitled, if he needs to get that special education, then there will be a legal lawsuit. So the whole existence of this, of these funds for special needs really stands out when it comes to private schools, which again, the New York Times failed to make any mention of the reality of how the system works. And I might add, I spoke to a parent that just contacted me who doesn't live in Brooklyn, lives in Long Island, where they don't have the same resources that they have in Brooklyn. They're actually sending their kids to a public school. Now, there may be some parents from outside Brooklyn that may send their kids to Brooklyn so they can take advantage of it. But there are plenty of parents that I know that have special needs children that send the kids to public school because there's not enough resources to help them. You see this taking place in places throughout the country, by the way, with our Orthodox Haredi families that are, are sending their children to public school. Now, New York City didn't take, let me take, let me take a step back. That child, that child, that parent that reached out to you or that child in, in, in anywhere in the country, it's costing the state an enormous amount of money to pay for that child's services. But no one's calculating that amount of money because it's just part of the public school system. If that child would leave, and the exact amount of money that he's that he's receiving in the public school follows the child to a private school. The state's not giving more money because they would have to fund this child, whether he was in public school or private school. But it only makes note of it when he leaves. Now we see the dollar amount. But that dollar amount is whether he leaves or whether he's in the private school or the public school. When he's in the public school, he has to get that therapy. And he has to get this therapy and that help and this extra help and this extra service. So the cost is there. But no one's calculating that cost. No one's calculating the cost of special education for kids that remain in the public school in contrast to the kids that go to private school. By the way, and this is a whole separate conversation, I spoke to George Klein and others, is that what are there, about 50,000 yeshiva students in the New York area that go and if you had Catholic school children, this could be another, could be 75,000 total that they're not taking advantage of a public school education, which they spend, what do they spend? At least 18,000 a child, might even be over $20,000 a child. What am I talking I think it's closer to $25,000 a child. So if every yeshiva kid said it's September 1st or whenever the opening day of school, we're going to register our kids in public school and make the point 
you'd see tremendous relief for yeshiva education anyway. <laughs> right? They know, you know, because they're, oh, they're, what happens if they're going to accept? I said, there's no, and I said this to George Klein and others, there's no way that they're able to accept. They can't handle what they have right now. And with the illegal immigrants coming into New York, you have even more kids in public where they can't absorb it. If we really wanted to send the message, we should register 50,000 children in public schools on the opening day. And you'd see, believe me, you'd see immediate relief. Definitely a strategy worth considering. <laughs> okay. I, I, I can sense that it hasn't been a very popular. And when I mention this, people look at me like, you know, it's interesting, but we're afraid they're going to be accepted. Well, it's not going to happen. But I think if it were to happen, I think we'd see a tremendous change. I think at the very least, the gov- the state should, and in some cases, they do recognize how important it is to keep private schools alive and keep them flourishing for their own sake. And I think that in some states, you do see that. The Times definitely doesn't see that, but they're not a state, so for them it's easy to, to, to not see it or, 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 or to choose not to see it. But parents that send their children to private school are providing a major service for the government because parents, they're paying property taxes. There's no, there's no discount on the property tax because you send your child to a private school or not. So the state is getting those funds from those families. And the parents are not sending their children to public school. They're sending them to private school, paying tuition a second time, so to speak, a double tax. And because of that, the state is able to afford their current public school system because of the resources that are being given by those that send the children to private school. So there's a huge service that's being done for the government by parents that choose to send the children to private school. But it's the Times is completely blinded by that. <laughs> it's, it's saving them a lot of money. If you calculate 50,000 children by 20,000, $25,000. I think the numbers are much more than 50,000. I think it's close to 100,000 children. Okay. So if, if, so that improves my point even more. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I think the total amount in New York State is, is in, the, in the, I believe it's, it's above 200,000 private school kids, maybe even, maybe even more than that. But New York State, New Jersey has 150,000 private school kids. I believe New York State has at, at a minimum of 200, 250,000, possibly even more than that um, in New York State. So we're talking about a, a billions and billions and billions of dollars that the state is saving because of parents that choose to send their children to a private school and pay for their own, pay their own tuition and they still pay taxes. So you know what? My, my point is even stronger. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I I assume it's not going to happen. But it, it would make a tremendous point. I think there'd be a tremendous relief uh, in there. So what's the next step? You have billboards going. We're speaking to Rabbi Avi Schnall, the New Jersey Director of Good Israel of America. You're only here for a few minutes longer. So here you have these billboards going up. How many? Where are they located? So one of them is by the Lincoln Tunnel. Another one is coming up in. In, in the Times Times um, Times Square area, there's a few more that are going up. I don't know the exact locations. There's obviously a very robust website that is already public, but it's going to be updated and built up and continue to be updated with more and more and more amounts of information. There's other media strategies dealing with other media outlets. This is a, a, a large, all-encompassing project on many different fronts and many different areas, many different angles, to do whatever we can. And again, the point of the project is not so much or not in as much as to attack the times, which is obviously 
super important. By the way, Zev, it's 400,000 private school students. I just got a little text from my, my colleague, Yeruchim Silber, who really runs the government affairs in New York State, the goodness of Israel, a, a mentor to all of us. He just texted me 400,000 private school kids. So whatever number we thought about a few minutes ago, we have to triple and quadruple that number. But but and getting many, back to this how many, project, how many, how many of them are Jewish? Is that a hundred thousand in New York? Do we have any idea? I'm sure I, I'm sure that he's listening intently to this program. I'll, by the I'll way, text, I'll text and you. I'm sure he's going to either text me or text you the response very shortly. <laughs> no, uh, understandable. So this is something which is so important. Now, who's funding this campaign, this billboard campaign? These are friends of Agudas Yisrael. These are friends of of community members that understand and recognize the importance of of getting out and educating this, educating the mass, the masses of who we are. And I, I, I was saying that before. And by the way, it's 165,000 Jewish students. Thank you, Rabbi Yeruch Masilva, for... <laughs> he got a shout-out. There we go, two of them. He, he's, quick, he's quick on the uh, Twitter button or the uh, text button, right? The, yes. But, that, but, that's, but a lot, that's a lot of uh, yeshivas. Too. And that's by, a lot of kids. And the article... Also, as I said earlier, we didn't while they tack they lump Hasidim, Yeshi and and Litvish Yeshivas all together. And the education is slightly different, you know, in those systems. They lumped the modern Orthodox schools into it as well for good measure. So they have to be taken to task. And we did try reaching out to the reporter and we have not heard back. I doubt we're gonna hear from him. We'll try to to communicate with him directly because who knows what January is gonna what's gonna be in store in January because they have to keep on doing this series, even though I might add that their story about the Hasidic political power may have backfired on them because in the last election, more people from the community came out to vote than normally did come out to vote. So maybe the article maybe spurred people to say, hey, <laughs> let's go out <laughs> and, and say, live up to what they claim where we are. But there's nothing wrong with exercising political. I wish more people would vote. So there's not nothing wrong. It's right. And it, absolutely, it's right. Now, it's the right. right thing to do. That's we live in America. We live in a democracy where it's a gift to be able to vote. People in other countries kill themselves to be able to have the ability to vote and be part of the democratic process. And we have that. It's not just nothing wrong with it. It's the right thing to do. And and on the contrary, other communities should learn from our community of what it means to be engaged in the democratic process and what it means to exercise our given right to be able to vote in this amazing country. So that's not nothing to be ashamed about. There's something to be proud about. If anything, we need to do more of it. We have to get more people to come out and vote. We need better numbers in our, in our voter turnout, not to be ashamed of the influence we have. Okay. We're going to take, we're going to try to squeeze in at least one phone call and uh, let's go to Saul in Brooklyn. Saul in Brooklyn, you have a question for Rabbi Avishnal. Go ahead. Yes. I, I, first of all, I wanted to compliment your guest and yourself uh, for bringing up this important issue and uh, this, uh, uh, this very ambitious program with the posters and the, and the media. I, I think it's great, but I wish you good luck because the New York Times has been a problem from the start. Uh, they're always anti-Israel, and they always put it on the front page. Uh, they're always, they think that the paper seems to uh, feature these things because the New York Times, uh, they're even a problem with the new government in Israel because the new government is, is more traditional, and they're already criticizing the new government. They just came in yesterday. They started. And, 
and it can, and I, I see they're also criticizing Benjamin Netanyahu, who said something very interesting. He said that in the time of the Holocaust, they had no no stories on the Holocaust. They kind of buried it in the back pages. There seems to be a trend here from the very beginning in the New York Times to kind of oppress, uh, impress people, intelligentsia, intelligentsia, by showing that they're not ethnic Jews. They're more assimilated. They're with the uh, wider public, and they're going to always be critical. So they're, they're sort of self-hating. It's always been that way. So I'm very impressed with the program uh, that's being instituted by the Goodest Israel. But good luck, because the New York Times has been like this, this self-hating kind of uh, mode, going back, way back to the beginning of the New York Times. And uh, I, I really mentioned an RTO in, in no, response to them. Mentioned, mentioned the fact that they never covered the Holocaust. Absolutely. And they're known for that. And they're, and they've been anti-Israel all these years. Thank you for really intelligent. We're going to put you, make you part of the intelligentsia. So Zev, if I could just respond, Thanks. Saul, you, you, yeah. you bring up a great point, and, and I think it's, it's important to acknowledge it. This project has multi is a multi-purpose project. Obviously, we're not going to be able to change, you know, the New York Times, or we may not be able to change the New York Times entirely. And there is a history. What's most important is that we need to be able to say our side of the story, and we need to be able to set the record straight. And it's more. For the people that are driving by the Lincoln Tunnel that see our sign and see our website and say, hey, maybe there is another sign. Maybe the Times is not being fear and not being even cited in their reports on this community. Let me check out that website, noahs.org, and they'll go there and they'll be educated. It's not only to attack the Times, they get the Times to change their ways. It's that the society that's eating the times, that's being fed the times, that's believing the times, should be made known that this is not how it is. This is not our community, the way it's being portrayed by the New York Times. Come learn about our community. Get to know us. Check up, check up our website and learn about who we are. Reach out to us because this, this is not us. Maybe that's we, a main point of the campaign. Maybe we should call the campaign a sign of the times. It's of the times. <laughs> Let, let's let's give the website again uh, for people to check it out. Knowus.org. No, like K-N-O-W, knowus.org. Yeah, not Noah's as a Noah's Ark, as in know us. Rabbi Avi know us. <laughs> get to know us. Rabbi Avishnal, New Jersey Director of A Good Israel America, thank you for joining us. Continued success. I, I love the project. I think more and more people, we have to be more on the on the offense of letting people know who we are because there's distortions in the media. It used to be even in movies they had, they painted the Hasidim as being, you know, one way, more romantic in a certain way, but now it's just the complete opposite where they denigrate it and they downplay, they, you know, the Jewish commitment. They make us look bad. It's all Jews look bad. If one, it's, it's an, an attack on, all, on some of us is attacking all of us. We're all in this together. Absolutely. So we support you doing it. Thank you for your goal. We've got to have you on more often. Thank you, Zev. It's always a pleasure. And uh, we got to be on more often. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But I want to see Thank a you. sign of the times. That will be a headline. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Rabbi Avi New Jersey Director of the Good Israel of America. 
one of the most important Jewish institutions in the world today is Talk Line with Zeb Brana. He is so smart and he is so innovative and he has so many interesting guests. I don't know what Yiddishkeit, I don't know what New York, I don't know what the world would do without Zev. So Zev, Yashikoch, may you go from strength to strength and keep keep informing us and educating us and keep fighting for Jewish values. Thank you for tuning in to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast, the pulse beat of the Jewish community. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.